program continues. This is Left, Right, and Center in this portion of Talk of the Town. We welcome to the studio Jeff Schlemmer and Robert Metz. Nice to have you both here. Hello again, Jim. Uh, the guys come in, uh, drop by this time every week to, to take a look at, uh, well, whatever. Sometimes it's a story in the news. Sometimes it's just something uh, of general philosophical interest. And sometimes we never know quite what's going on. But you've got, Jeffrey, you've got to be in your bonnet today. No, I have I have the opposite of being well. I guess I do have a being bonnet. I'm reading uh, my day. Just just for the interests of our own edification, what is the opposite of a being bonnet? I don't know. Oh, okay. I, yeah, yeah, I have to. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I just, just picture that. You painted a picture, and I couldn't. All right. <laughs> oh, just that uh, Monday, I noticed in the newspaper an article about uh, the Reform Party were proposing that. Um, over the next three years, there should be $26 billion, I think they said, in tax cuts federally because of uh, huge anticipated surpluses. Mm -hmm. And uh, I noticed uh, last night on television that uh, Bill Clinton was talking about the same issue, and that is that they're projecting large surpluses down there and uh, trying to decide uh, what they're going to do with the money, and that his proposal is to uh, put uh, a big chunk of it into uh, debt reduction, but also a big chunk into uh, Social Security. Mm -hmm which I gather principally means old age pensions for uh, for Americans, which they recognize is dramatically underfunded like ours is because of the baby boomer phenomenon. And uh, so it occurred to me that uh, since uh, I, I'm sure that Bob would be happy to support tax cuts, that I, of course, I'm always happy to uh, oppose tax cuts. There might be something in there. <laughs> well, Robert, are you happy to support tax cuts today, a la Preston Manning? Oh, absolutely. And I think tax cuts and debt reduction are the only two ways to go. If you want to put money into social spending and we're talking about future uh, liabilities down the road and the government's still in trouble, well then I still think it's better to pay the debt back today and borrow it, borrow it in the future if, you had, if that was the option we were faced with. Mm -hmm. But of course, you know, the fundamental issue I think is with tax cuts you're generating actually more income both for the public and for the government because, um, and particularly for the government because the higher the tax rate the more um, profound the underground economy is, the more people avoid taxes in every way they possibly can. Um, I think we need a simpler tax system. I Personally, I believe in a very low uh, system of taxes, and I think we should have flat taxes as well. But uh, as far as what to do with surpluses, uh, they certainly should be put towards our debt reduction and to tax cuts. I think the two go hand in hand. Debt reduction has to be done on a scheduled basis. And I'd like to think that when our governments use the word surplus, that the surplus is after we've already met that year's uh, necessary debt reduction according to some pre-prescribed schedule. That's what a surplus generally is. When a business has a mortgage or a debt, it can be making a profit even though it has a terrible debt on it, debt load because mm -hmm. it has met its obligations toward the principal and interest on the debt. Mm -hmm. What are the obligations, do you think? There are some people who say that there's no sense in the world in paying the debt off. That in order to do so, it's going to, it's going to, we're going to take that 600 million or trillion billion dollars, 600 billion dollars, out of our economy over the next X number of years to pay back a bunch of greedy bankers. When in fact, what we should be doing is stabilizing the debt, eliminating the deficit, and ensuring that we'll never run a deficit again, and simply paying the interest on the on the on the debt. It well, doesn't 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 cost us any more. We that's have, we not have true. The money that's been borrowed by the government belongs to people, not to bankers. Bankers just facilitate the transaction. Between well, either way, it doesn't make any difference. Well, uh, it, well wh if, why the, the the argument? So, goes, so some little old lady who's got a get, can't, uh, government of Canada bond or Canada savings bond, we should just say, oh, sorry, folks, we're not going to pay you back. No, 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 no. They're not saying no. What they're saying is you don't pay the principal off. You pay the interest every year. That's all she gets is the interest. And keep the principal there. Just leave the principal alone. So it costs us uh, 
3% probably today for the government if we if it was set up properly cost you 3% so on uh, what's that 600 billion that's what uh, 180 million dollars a year you'd have to pay and that takes care of, rather than pay back 600 billion dollars you pay back 180 million a year well I'm not saying you have to pay back huge chunks I, I just say the faster the better but, well, I'm but, saying but that's why that's why I'm asking you why does it matter why pay it off at all what's wrong with the what's wrong well, with the why not well it's funny you would ask that. What, would you say that about yourself? You say you have a mortgage on your house and it's got, say it's $150,000 and you've got a real low interest rate and you're saying to yourself, well, why should I pay it off at all? I'm going to pay interest all my life. Yeah. And I, uh, you can make a case If for your that. creditors are happy with that and you're happy with that, you can go on indefinitely with that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, the, and the advantage but is... But what you've got to watch out for is when competition for money gets tough again, interest rates rise, creditors want their money for capital expansion mm -hmm. or other things, then you're going to find that debt's going to come tumbling down on you and big time like it did in the 70s. Yeah, but how often has that happened historically in this country? Very, very seldom has the, have those debt levels ever got unmanageable. Very seldom have they ever gone. Prime rate gone over 10. In fact, I'm not sure it's ever gone. When over. in Canada have we ever had a debt load like we have now? Have we ever had a tax rate like we have now? They're both unprecedented. Well, I don't know I, what I you're referring to. No, no, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> suggesting this is the right thing. I'm yeah. just trying to get your thoughts. Obviously, you think that's a bad idea. Let me ask yeah. you that, Jeffrey. If by doing that, one of the advantages of doing that, by the way, is that we've got more money to put into social programs in. If we're not worried about principal reduction, if we're simply going to pay the interest every year, that means we've got more money for social programs without having to borrow more. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you about that in just a sec, but uh, to address something that Bob had mentioned earlier, it's my understanding, I believe that I've read that after each of the world wars, that our, that our debt uh, as a percentage of, of the GMP of the country of the time was equivalent to what it is now. Yes, we've been there before. Uh, so, yeah, that, so this isn't an unprecedented kind of a situation. Uh, but the, the, uh, on the one hand, I guess, uh, you know, when we're looking for how the government should run, we look for analogies, and a lot of us look to our own household, some of us look to business, and uh, does business generally operate with de debt, for instance? Uh, I think most businesses do, I believe. Most businesses mm -hmm. issue bonds, that, mm -hmm. you know, that they, they work with debt so that they have uh, capital to, to grow. Um, on the other hand, though, I'm sensitive to something that I think you said last week, which was that a, a substantial part of our tax money right now is going into debt servicing every year. And that's something that concerns me. On the other hand, I don't know what you do about that in the in the short term. Well, you don't do anything because the point I'm, the point I, the the fact that it, slow down. The point I made was that according to some figures I had seen recently, uh, that I I depend on the people who supplied me with the figures. I have no reason to doubt them. That only 15% of that 600 billion dollars was actually expended on on infrastructure, social programs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That 85% of it is interest on interest on interest on interest on interest. So I'm certainly not in favor of any situation where we would continue to allow that to happen. What I'm saying is, uh, I'm only asking, I'm not even saying, I'm just asking it. Uh, because there is a school of thought, and it's a growing school of thought, by the way. I, I run into it more and more as I'm reading the economics and so on, the things that I do to keep up. More and more people are starting to question whether we need to pay down the principal at all. As long as we're making the interest payments, the principal is just sitting there. It's not hurting us. In order to get it low enough that we're going to reduce those interest payments significantly is going to take us a hundred years anyway. Why put ourselves through that grief? Why not accept that this is this is the capitalization of the company, this is, or of the country rather? This is the working capital of our country, and we had to borrow it, and we're going to pay this 180 million or whatever it is, a billion eight, whatever term. I'm just not sure what the, what the figures are because I'm not good with math. And anyway, we just pay that every year, and all the money that now we're talking about, we're going to put into debt reduction, which isn't going to make a 
a beaver's eye bit of difference to the debt, why not take that money and put that into social programs instead? I, th I think you're, you're, you're looking at it from the point of a view of a business or, or individual, but we're talking about government, and government is a different kind of institution. Suppose, I don't know what the actual figure is, but let's say we're $500 billion in debt with government. Suppose we paid that $500 billion back. That means that the people who lent that money to the government, which come from many sources, mm -hmm. would have that money to lend again. But they don't want it back. Well, they might not want it back as long as they know the government's servicing the debt. But if you've got an unserviced debt in the sense that all they're paying is interest and no principal, I don't know what that debt's worth. I want to be selling my bonds to somebody else because I'd be thinking, well, wait a minute, this government's going to give me a letter one day and say, we're not paying this, and it has no value. Yeah, but you're talking about two different things now. You're talking about a, uh, a change in government policy and a public perception of that policy. I'm talking about a policy, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, folks. I'm talking about a policy whereby there's no question the government is going to continue to pay the uh, interest because the government is not running deficits. They're operating the, the, uh, the government in a responsible fiscal manner. Um, there's no sign on the horizon no, that they're going to change that. The, the interest question is not... I'm dealing just with the principle. You're asking why not leave the principle outstanding. I'm giving you a reason. The reason is because that principle back in the hands of people uh, would become productive again, would be invested in jobs. Would but it's, be invested produ it's productive now. Well, it's, 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 it represents money spent in the past in mm -hmm. a debt for which we still have to pay and mm -hmm. our kids will have to pay. And when we say because this is government, it, it's, it's, it's different. You know, it's not like when you have a mortgage and, and you pass on, you leave your mortgage to your kids. You know, it, it, that's what's happening with government. When we when we all pass on, we, the debts that we leave behind, we leave them to our kids. Yeah, but and the then debts, they have to carry. The debts it. we leave behind, if we have not, if we've maintained the interest payments on them, the debt is not growing. Every year that goes by, that debt has less value relative to the GDP, because inflation, even in only one or two percent well, a year over thirty or forty or fifty years, reduces the case, value of that debt. If that's how you're thinking, then well, why don't we borrow more? Why don't we triple the deficit? I don't thought. And I, I, I bet you'd be a lot of people that would support that. Well, they, they might. And, we'll, and we don't have to pay that back either. We'll just pay the interest on it because <laughs> let's think of all the money we could get and just have to pay back a little bit of interest. But one thing we have to bear in mind is that right now we're in the middle of a boom time that uh, one thing that is certain is that a bust is going to follow this when people start talking about we've got all this exactly. money today, what are we going to do with all of it? You know, that's true today and they always, they always say this is going to go on forever, you know, it's like... Uh, yeah, but every dollar you put now in the boom times to pay off the, the, the principal of the debt is money you're not going to have in the down times. It's money you've not spent to prepare for the downtimes. It's not money you've set aside. Well, as I said, even, even if you would pay say, it back, you could borrow it back. I mean, you know, you pay off your loan and you have tough times, you borrow, borrow again. But At if, least you wouldn't but, have as big a problem But if, you've, if you've got, instead of $600 billion, you only owe $580 billion, do you really want to go and borrow those $20 billion again? Do well, you want? Well, you really want to do that? Well, don't we want to get to the point where we say not. we're not going to borrow at all? Period. Well, anymore? Absolutely, absolutely. But right, let's, let's go to the phones. Okay, a lot of people sure. waiting here, and uh, Robert's with us. Hello, Robert. Hi, Jim. Yes, sir. I just wanted to let you know that uh, the interest on the debt is not 180 million, as you stated. It's 45 billion a year. That's okay. what we're paying per year on interest. Is about 44 point something billion dollars per year. And what's the rate? What's the rate of that on the on the 600 billion? Oh, I don't know. Um, all I know is that the $44 billion we pay in interest alone right now is equivalent to the, to to the total uh, gross uh, GNP uh, of the country in 1980. Okay, well, I'm, I, I, I need to understand where your figures come from. Uh, I mean, Canadian Taxpayers Federation. No, no, but, but what's, what, 
like at what percentage? If we look at 600, I said I'm no good at math, right. but 600 billion, right. and the government has access to money at today about 3%. So what's 3% of that? That's 18, I thought that was like $180 million. The, the interest payments are $45 billion, according to the Canadian Taxpayers Federation, which well, is the equivalent to the total well, GFP you, you, you of the You country. just said that, but I'd like to know where they got that number from. Well, from research. Well, and well, probably well, from the uh, Canadian government themselves. So that looks to me as though we're actually paying about over 7%. Why does the interest rate matter? Uh, I don't, is that I don't a principle know. that we're getting at here, Jim? I don't know why you're worried about the interest rate. You're saying it's okay for the government to go into debt if we have low interest rates, no, but no, if no. we have high interest I'm rates... I'm not saying any of this. Well, I'm playing devil's I know advocate. I know you, well, as devil's advocate, you are suggesting this. And, and so where, where do you go with well, that? Well, the difference is that... that uh, and I've, I have to, we have to take a break and get my calculator and figure out what it is at 3%, Rob, because I'm no good with figures, even with a pencil in front of me. Right. But the $45 billion, if the debt was $450 million, or $450 billion instead of $600 billion, then that would be a 10% interest rate, right. $45 billion. Right. Well, it's 600 instead of 400 which runs that down somewhere, I think, around 8%. Well, there's no bloody way we're paying 8% interest on that debt. It's not happening. Why so, not? A lot of the debt was uh, was accumulated when, when interest rates were 12, 13, 14%. That's when a lot of the money was borrowed. But so, it wasn't borrowed long-term. They roll that stuff over every 30 days. Well, I, I'm not sure how that all works. Yeah, I'm not I, either. I just wanted to let you to clarify how much we are spending. Well, on. I'm not sure that that's clarification, because I don't understand where they would get that figure from. From probably from StatsCan. Yeah, but the figure doesn't make sense whether it came why from Stats, StatsCan or the mouth of God. It doesn't make sense. Why? Why doesn't it? Because unless we are paying seven or eight or nine percent on that six hundred billion dollars, yes. we are not paying forty-five billion dollars interest. Well, the, period. We're not doing it. We why cannot. do you think governments get their money at three percent? I don't understand why you think that you, happens. You don't. You don't. What everybody else pays interest at seven, eight, nine percent. Not today they don't. You can you yourself can go and get it get money today at five percent if you've got a little bit of a track record and a couple of friends in the banking business. The government can certainly get it for less than that. Well I think that uh, you have to agree though that, that interest pay? rates right now are at historic lows almost in comparison to any other time since the sixties. Well the overall rate is at a historic low. The yeah. real rate, the difference between inflation and the nominal rate is is not low as economists and bankers will tell you. Yes. You know, with the real rate is somewhere around 4%, something like that, which is the real rate of inflation. That's pretty high for, a, for an interest rate. Yes. Right? Well, so, I'm not here to argue about how, 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 the, how they got those numbers and everything, but the, um, the, the thing is is that we're spending a, 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 you know, a, a peapot full of money on the interest every year, yeah. and, and that's just uh, wasted, wasted money. Well, the problem is, if you're going to reduce a dollar of debt, oh shoot, I can't remember the. I'm gonna. There is a formula. I'm gonna go find it, Rob, because I can't quote it offhand. But there is a formula that you might be interested in there too. All Thanks right. for calling today. You're welcome. And Jeff's up next. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Jeffrey. Well, from Jeff to Scott. Hello, Scott. Scott. Well, okay. Hello, commercials. <laughs> we'll be right back. This is we're we're at it today, folks. <laughs> this is left, right, and center on twelve ninety CJBK with Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Betts. I want to just take one minute, folks, if you'll indulge me here, because both of my guests are looking at me starry-eyed here. 
Um, <laughs> as always. As always. <laughs> I mentioned well, earlier that a, a number of economists that, that uh, and I do read economics, not as much as I should because it bores me to tears, but it's important when you do what I do and you want to try to understand how the world works. I, a number of people lately have come up with, with similar things to this. I'll just give you the thumbnail. Here's the theory. The theory is you've got a $600 billion debt. You stabilize and lock the debt. In other words, you, it, it, perhaps even by legislation, the government is not allowed to borrow any more long-term money. You can borrow operating you know, within the, a year's uh, budget and so on, but you've got to, at the end of the year, psh, you don't owe any money. So you stabilize that $600 billion debt. It can't get any bigger by law. Then you pay, each year you set aside the amount of money you have to pay to cover the interest payments on that total debt. What that means is all the money that you might want to put into debt reduction, you now have to either give back to people in terms of tax rebates, put into social programs, buy new helicopters, whatever you want to do. As time goes by, and we're talking a long-term time here, um, say 100 years at 2% inflation, Eventually, and I don't have it in front of me, I, I will go get the numbers, but eventually, and it is within, I think it was 70 or 80 or something like that, eventually, even at 2% inflation, most of that $600 billion is going to be eaten up. Now, it'll still be on the books as $600 billion, but, the but those dollars don't change. It's $600 billion, $1999. Well, the dollar's value in 2099, with even minimal inflation, is going to be vastly different than it is today, but you still pay the same number of dollars. So the $2,099, this is the theory, $2,099 might be worth only 25 cents compared to today's dollar. In the same fashion that today's dollar is only worth 10 cents compared to what, 1898 or whatever the figure was. Um, so the theory is that paying money off the debt does not make sense for the overall financial well-being of the country. Now, nobody's denying that it's not a good idea to have debt. The and some people say, well, you can't run your life like that. The analogy that this fellow used is the following. Yes, you can run your life like that. Let's suppose that you bought a house and you were going to, to get a 50-year mortgage on the house. You bought it young, you're going to live there for your whole life. Now, there's another thing you have to add to this. You're never going to mortgage get a second mortgage on your house, okay? The only money you're ever going to pay on this house is your first mortgage. Even when you've got a ton of equity, you can't touch the equity. The same way as the government has passed the law, they cannot add to the value of the debt, even though the, or they can't add more money to the debt, even though the value of the debt has reduced, okay? Try to follow me on this. I know I'm being fuzzy. Up until the moment when the, the lender hands you the deed and says, your bill is paid off, your mortgage is paid off, up until that moment, the fact that you were paying off the principal has absolutely no meaning to you in your financial life because you can't touch the reduction. Now, remember, we set a rule in place that said you can't second mortgage your house. The same as the government can't borrow more money. So up until the end of that 100 years, the fact that you've paid that all down mean, makes no difference at all to you. It has not affected your life one iota. Um, whether, whether you had paid it or not. So, so here's where his theory, this economist theory comes in. He said, okay, so let's say on your 50-year mortgage, you're not going to reduce the, the principal at all. All you're going to do is pay the interest. What's the difference between that and the guy who reduces the principal prior to the end of the 50 years? Not a blessed thing. There is no difference at all. None whatsoever. At the end of the 50 years, of course, one guy owns the house, the other guy still owes the, the principal that he started with, but the principal he started with is not the same amount 
in terms of purchasing power is when he bought the house. So the, the $10,000 he paid for the house 50 years ago, uh, in, in today's dollars, today's purchasing power, may only cost him three or $4,000. I, I think you're playing a shell game. Uh, let, let's take your example. I'm not playing. I want to make that well, point again. Well, that, that theory plays a shell All right. game. Let's say you have $100 you borrow today and 100 years from now, and you're not going to pay back the principal, and according to your example, in 100 years from now, it'll, only be, it'll still be $100, but you only be worth a, a lira. Yes, yeah. Italian okay. lira. So, so over 100 years, if it's down three quarters, that tells me it's, it's losing value, the principal, at three quarters of 1% per year. So you can bet that whoever's lending the money out at that is going to raise the interest rate by at least that to cover the cost of the loss in principle. So you haven't, you haven't avoided the principle. You've just taken a chunk of the principle uh, and reduced it via calling it interest and adding it to the interest. And in fact, you've increased the interest rate by three quarters of 1% by doing it. So where's your historical evidence that that's happened, yeah. though? Because our dollars have been devalued over the last 100 years, and the interest rates today are not significantly different than they were 100 years ago. Well, our interest rates are high. They're higher than they should be because of the debt that the government, that the, that the country is in. That's but not they're not the higher issue compound here. rate, though. But it doesn't change the example I just gave. If, if I'm lending you money, and I, say, say I lend Jeff a hundred bucks, and I know right now that that hundred bucks is going to be worth, you know, ninety-nine dollars and twenty-five cents next year. Yes. I'm going to cover that seventy. But you already do that. We already do that. That's why we're not paying. That's why interest is more than the rate of inflation. Well, then we are paying back the debt. No, but in your analogy, you're saying in 100 years, the interest rate's going to be 50% or something. That, that doesn't happen. Part of the situation is that the oh, money I'm that they've, saying that, the, the money that they've saying lent that you in every year is worth that much less in each succeeding year. So the amount of return they can expect is not going to go up. It's going to be constant. You know, the dollar's worth less. Uh, the interest that you're going to pay on it is worth less as well. Uh, the dollar, the amount of money well, they've lent you remains if constant. If you're going to operate on a policy like that, then you would actually be encouraging the government to enter a stage of inflation again, because it, and, and it would be to anyone's interest who is in debt to advocate a very high situation of inflation, mm -hmm. but that's going to hurt the savers and the people who provide the capital that, that runs the engine of everything. So we, so we ensure, and, and we would have the ability to do this, we ensure that government cannot promote policies that, that, that are favorable to inflation. We've seen that government does have the ability to adopt policies that control inflation and indeed drive inflation down. So, and again, we're talking, we're talking theory here, but if you're going to do it, part of the theory is, A, the government's not allowed ever to borrow any more money, and B, the government is not allowed to adopt or follow any policies that would lead to higher inflation. Problem now, do you, have, you, you actually see that as possible in a country that has committed itself to universal health care and education? Probably it's not, not but, but we're not talking about that. We're talking, in theory, one other way to handle the debt. Let's go back to the phones where Lloyd's with us. Hi, Lloyd. Hi, Jim. Yes, sir. Uh, just calling with a couple of facts. You were trying to draw a correlation when Rob called earlier about the total debt versus the, the amount spent yes. on interest. Yeah. Just to give you some figures, I've only got it for the province of Ontario, but the actual 98 statement shows that our debt in the province of Ontario was $105 billion. Okay. Interest paid to on the public debt yes. was $8.7 billion. So they're paying. So, so when you're saying, you know, interest rates are a lot lower, it sure looks like they're paying a, a considerably higher number than that. That's probably because of long-term debts. Well, my understanding, though, is that we don't have a whole lot of high-rate long-term debt. Now, maybe, maybe I'm misinformed on that. Uh, I, ha I have to assume, just looking at these numbers, that that you must be. We're paying eight and a half percent just by looking at that. Yeah, that it's uh, yeah. But if we're paying eight and a half percent, 
overall. We know that the government continually rolls its debt over, so they're getting a lot of debt today at 3 and 4%. We must have some stuff in there at 15, 18, or 20%. That's quite possible. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know how, what those factors are. And that certainly indicates that we should be paying off some debts. And, of course, I believe we should start with the ones that have the highest interest rate. Mm -hmm. So there's a very strong argument for paying some of that debt. And I guess one question that I heard about the idea of freezing the debt. Yes. Uh, you freeze the debt for Canada. Does that mean that all the people that have Canadian, uh, Canada savings bonds will never be able to cash them in? They're just going to be able to collect the interest? Well, I guess... Because they're part of the people. It's people that hold... They're cashing them in, but they're not issuing new ones, I presume, what you're saying. Well, how can they cash them in? That's paying off part of the debt. No, that's not paying off debt. That's paying off principal. Well, the principal is the debt. Well, <laughs> we're talking about the, the, the debt principle right now, which is not the interest on the debt. But I think what Jim is talking about is maintaining the debt at a particular level. So the person comes along, I guess you were saying is he would effectively take in new ones, but not, not expand the amount of debt beyond whatever it is, $600 billion or whatever. Certainly, if everybody who bought a Canada savings bond went and cashed the thing in, then you've got a serious problem. But, but a lot of people buy them and leave them there for a very long time. Well, that's true. But it's their option whether they cash well, sure them or it is. not. Sure it is, yeah. And, and if, and if they ex chose to exercise the option in the full knowledge that by doing so, they're going to wreck their government system, then they have every right to do that. Well, th that's one of the reasons that I never buy Canada savings bonds. That's because I think uh, when you reward the behavior of borrowing money, it's a bad thing. So I, I just won't loan them money. Right, Lloyd, well, I appreciate your, your help with the figures today. Okay, Jim. Thanks very much. Okay. Barry is with us next. Hi, Barry. Hi, how you doing, Jim? Fine, thanks. Hi, guys. Hi. Um... I, I think there's a couple of flaws with uh, with your logic. The first the first flaw I think is, Jim, you're 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 uh, assuming that economists know what the heck they're doing. <laughs> yeah, you know the old line about economists say you could take everyone in the world, stand them end to end, and they still couldn't reach a conclusion. <laughs> but but one of the things um, that I don't know, uh, maybe maybe I missed it, or maybe I just don't understand economics. But anyways, I think that um, if you um, if you pay down the debt, isn't that going to free up spending money for uh, for the, uh, the the general uh, taxpayer? Yeah, by the by the amount that your interest payments are reduced, yes. Okay. And, but if, and but if the amount they're reduced is less than the amount you had to use to pay down the principal, where do you win? Yeah, I've heard that it's a net recessionary effect. Like unlike a tax cut or increased spending, if you're paying down debt, you're effectively taking the money out of the economy. Uh, as Jim no, says, you're, you're not. You're, you're putting it into the economy. No, this is debt reduction. As that's Jim has what, said, that's what I'm talking for about. debt reduction, all you're doing is, for every dollar you're putting in, you're maybe getting whatever it is, 15, 20 cents of, of, new, of new money available for the economy. Uh, say, and I don't pretend to understand economics either, but uh, what I've read is that tax, uh, ta debt reduction, as laudable as it may be in the long term, as Jim said, in the short term, it actually has a, a recessionary effect on the economy, unlike tax cuts and, and social spending. Now, now, I can agree with that, and, and the biggest problem I have with that is that's what got us into the problem in the first place. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think, uh, like, like everybody's saying, uh, okay, well, you know, we have, you know, like, why don't we spend that little bit extra? We know we can carry it. So it's kind of like the me um, generation where they say, okay, that, you know, let's just uh, keep uh, pumping money into the, uh, into the economy. And, you know, when we can borrow and, you know, sell savings bonds and everything can just keep running at, at, a, at a certain rate. And it just gets to a certain point where it gets ridiculous and, and we're, we're hitting that wall. And the biggest problem I have with it is you're assuming that all the interest rates are going to be maintained over a certain length of time. What if 
something happens and the interest rates all of a sudden go up to 20 percent well if that happens you we got a lot bigger worries than the size of our national debt i mean that quite sincerely if that happens, our world okay, economy is Okay, let's even reduce it down to, if it goes up to 10%. Well, that, Doesn't that change all the predictions and all the numbers that everybody has ever used here? No, on, on, under this model, this Landsberg guy's model, no. All it means is your interest payments would rise. You're still paying less than if you were paying interest payments plus principal reduction. Right? Because you're not paying any principal reduction. I know, but if you had less principal to pay, wouldn't the interest uh, payments be the same? It depends, how, it depends how much. I'm just, as, as you're talking, I'm trying to figure out with my non-mathematical brain, <laughs> I'm trying to re recreate this little uh, uh, um, chart that this guy had in the book that I was reading. Right. So I'll let you guys keep talking. I'm going to keep doing this. Well, one of the things, if I can just weigh in here, that, that troubles me in the background of all this is that sort of, I've sort of done a bit of reading about John Maynard Keynes and that's sort of the conventional left-wing idea about the economy. And one thing he always said was, during the good times, you pay down debt. You, know, you borrow in the bad times to that, stimulate, but pay down in the that, good that, times. Yeah, that was going to be one of my points as well. Yeah. And uh, from my end of it, I think where we've run into trouble is that for whatever reason, both left and right-wing governments in the last 20 years have run big deficits during good times. That's where, where the deficits have really accumulated. Well, that's because we have social programs that no, it wasn't require well, you no, and I can differ on where that... <laughs> to get reelected. Well, and also it's because of huge interest rate policies and blah, blah, blah. Well, yes, you know, you're absolutely right, Barry. It is to get reelected, but that comes, again, back through the social programs. You don't get elected in this country if you say things like I do to the public, uh, you know, saying that we need to cut back on free medicine and people who can afford to pay for it should be doing so. And that, exactly. And that we should... But, but most of the growth in the deficit over the last 10 years has elected. not been new social spending. Most of the growth in the deficit over the last 10 years has not been new social spending. It's been spending that came on because of the uh, re depression or recession. No, sir. No, no, sir. No, no, no. And also servicing debt that was incurred well, during the uh, period when Brian Mulroney was in I government. I agree that those two things existed, <laughs> but new social spending was well, thrown in as well. But, but, but fundamentally at root, as I say, I'm troubled by the idea of anybody suggesting we should be spending more than we're making during the good times, because it's a, it's a loser game at the end of the day. That's, Somehow that's what I agree. I agree down. with that as well. One of the things, I guess, is that I think that there's a public will right now that, that both the left and the right acknowledge that we've got to rein things in. If there are some good times, everybody agrees there's got to be some debt reduction. The only concern is, should it be accompanied by tax reduction? And should we, we be racing into that knowing that we're in a good time now, but it's not going to last? And if we do lower taxes, we get into the next recession or whatever, particularly if we have a new rule that you can't run a deficit. Right. We've got these new lower tax rates, and we're stuck with much less revenue than we need to maintain Incorrect. the services lower that we have during the good times. Increase government revenue. That's been the experience in the States, and it's the experience here. No, they don't. Uh, well, okay, then I, <laughs> I guess we have to disagree on the I've ever read. Mark Mullins, the guy who was the architect of the Common Sense Revolution, said that tax cuts will only stimulate spending if you don't have a accompanying service cuts. He said if you're taking it out of one pocket and putting it into another pocket, that's not a net stimulation for the economy. That's right. Uh, you know, for example, suppose I'm, you know, a rich billionaire and I, I, the government owes me a hundred billion dollars. You know, under this freeze the debt situation, that debt would be frozen at a hundred billion. Now I'm going to postulate, suppose the government paid back the hundred billion dollars to me. What would I have, what would I do with it? I have to do something with it. I can't just leave it sitting in the bank, or I could. They lend it out for other productive yeah. reasons. Own it to Brazil or... <laughs> well, let's hope not. But, but uh, assuming it's private money, you know, like you'd be lending it out on mortgages, on helping people start businesses, on all sorts of things. So to suggest that not paying down the debt doesn't put new money into the economy is entirely incorrect. Paying down the debt... Uh, 
puts the money into the economy. I don't even like saying that. Puts like, it into it, the private economy. Money is always true. in the economy, so to speak, but money is either productive or unproductive. As debt, this money is unproductive and is making the rest of our money less valuable. Money is only worth what you can get for it, okay? Already our dollar is down at some embarrassing level vis-a-vis -vis Which the, I've the heard the all those places dollar. is an excellent thing. I heard it, uh, it's an article good. the other day about how Japan is distressed because its yen is becoming stronger vis-a-vis -vis the American dollar. Well, governments like it. are going to suffer. <laughs> Absolutely. Governments like it because they benefit and the citizens suffer. Well, exporters benefit, uh, too. Uh, and exporters are a small seg segment of the society Not that Canada. absolutely do. We're a net exporting country, big time. No, I, I, as a country, yes, but I mean exporters anyway, as a, a domestic I'm person. You were, uh, but nevertheless... Putting that money back into the economy by paying down the debt does create more money. We'll bring down interest rates again. We'll put, put capital back into productive activity. And we won't be sitting there with that noose around but our neck. But there's no shortage of capital years. now. And interest rates are low. Well, that's why it's all the more reason to pay down the debt now, so that you prepare for bad times. That's the whole idea. Well, I don't of, disagree of with savings that. Economy. I don't either, quite frankly. Barry, thanks for the call today. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Now, I just did a couple of quick calculations here, and I'm not sure how meaningful they are, but I'm going to get the right ones and, and do this properly. But if you took five years, say you owe $100, and you're going to pay off uh, you, the first year, you're going to pay simply 10% interest on the $100. I'm not going to give all the figures because they're boring. You're going to pay 10% the first year and no principal. The next year, you're going to pay 10%, um, same 10% uh, interest, but it's on, uh, um, oh yes, on $100 still, but you're also going to pay 10% of it down, right? So it costs you $20, now you're down to $90, and et cetera, et cetera. By the time you get to the end of the five years, you still owe $66. You still owe $66. You've spent $78. So it's cost you $78 to get rid of $34 worth of debt. That's, the, in, in theory anyway, that's Landsberg's theory as to why this may not be the most productive way to use your money. On the other hand, if you'd simply paid the 10% through each one of those years, at the end of those five years, you've only paid $50. Now, you haven't reduced the principal by one little bit, but you've had an extra $28 to leave in your economy or in your taxpayers' pockets. How much money, and this is his contention, how much money will that $28 generate? I think the whole logic of that is incorrect. You're assuming then that interest shouldn't exist. Interest is the cost of borrowing money. And sure that, it is. Well, what do you mean I'm saying? I'm not well, just said no such thing. Um, it shouldn't exist. You've done, you've done this real fancy sheet here in front of us, folks. He's done a whole three-quarters sheet of calculations. And I'm looking at the numbers going down there. And, and it's basically it's just an amortization table, just like any payment on any debt and any interest. So but you're looking at the bottom of the... What is the bottom? So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with paying the $78 to, to reduce your, your, your principal by 34 because obviously component The difference is, is the cost of the money. Exactly. What I'm saying is if you're really concerned about money for social programs or money for tax cuts and so on, and, and, and again, this is Landsberg's theory, uh, money for social programs, you're better off simply to pay the interest because by paying the interest, you've got an extra $28 over that period of time to pump back in your economy. $28 that essentially for the, val the full value of the economy is disappearing if you pay it back. But if you only pay the interest, then your debt is still $100 at the end of your That's example. Right. That's right. But it's a little $100 because $100 isn't worth it's as now, much now, because now of compound it's, now it's inflation worth, over... Now it's worth $90. Yes. Then you're investing in inflation. Well, who doesn't? Well, you <laughs> who know... Who doesn't? But, but, but at whose expense is that going to come? I mean, 
again, it's if, a shared expense. If you it's were to come at the expense of everyone, if you were, we're a private investor, if you were a private investor, I might say say you have some sense to that plan if that's all you want to get out of it and you don't want to pay the debt off. But I think you're the people you owe money to are the ones that have to agree to it and consent to it but and they have nothing get to a lose. deal. They have well, exactly, as long as they're in that situation. But wait till the competition for more money comes on in. Then we you're going to have a problem. Okay, we have to pause for a moment. We'll be back. More left, right, and center right here. And our program continues left, right, and center. Ron's been waiting on a pay phone. Hello, Ronald? Yeah, good morning. Yes, sir. Um, during the 30s or 40s, there was a guy by the name of Keyes. He was an econom economist. Yeah. John, John Maynard Keynes. Yes, and uh, his, um, one of his followers was a guy by the name of Galbraith, wasn't it? Uh, John, John Kenneth, yes. Yeah, and uh, he, he came up with this theory about, uh, about uh, debt financing, you know, um, getting off the gold standard and, yeah. and not, worrying about or not worrying about the debt that you create because years down the road, the debt will be worth less than what it is. Well, now, his, his theory was not quite that simple and was different than Landsberg's. Yeah. Well, just, uh, just to simplify it, I'm sorry, I, I could be way off on this okay. here. But what, the point that I was going to make, um, and I just want to add something, Jim, on your house that you never, uh, you never allowed a second mortgage or anything like yes. that there. Well, you still got to pay for that house, and you still got to live in that house. And if you're going to buy one coffee, one coffee table and one couch at a time to, to furnish your house because yes. you can't borrow against it, or you can't borrow, then, you know, oh, I can borrow. No, 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 I never said I couldn't borrow. All I said was I couldn't borrow against the house. Well, then you're, then, you're, then, you're, then you're raising your, because you can't pay back at the end of the year. Like, let's say, to buy that so couch, what? because you know you're going to get three years out of the couch, and you're going to, and, and so you're going to pay for that couch. But I got to buy, I got to buy the couch whether I have the house or not. Whether, or, you, or you're going to have to wait, like our parents did. No, no, not necessarily. In fact, if I if I want to look at the down, one of the potential downsides of this, one of the downsides is if I'm only paying interest, I've got more disposable income. My credit rating is better. I'm more likely to be able to buy, to, borrow, to borrow money to buy the couch. I can buy a better couch. But, but, I can buy two couches. But, but then, then you're borrowing again. Yeah, but that's me as an individual. No, no, but that's what we're talking about. Your individual house. Mm -hmm. You see, the fact is, whether it's right or wrong, we have all benefits benefited from this mushroom of explosion of Not death. very much we haven't. Well, we've we've as, benefited, far, as far as our, as far as our, um, our, uh, we've our lifestyle... We have benefited life. to the tune of about $90 billion on that $600 billion. The rest of it is interest on interest. We haven't benefited a thing by that. Well, our society right now, um, uh, from what I understand, uh, if you go out and buy cash for a car, isn't as valuable as if you go out and borrow the money to buy the car. Because that, the cash that you bought is already within the economy, as opposed to creating new wealth, which mm -hmm. is borrowing. Mm -hmm. Now... I don't, not that I agree with it or not, mm -hmm. but I think we have all benefited with this mushroom, some of us more than others. Yes. Um, uh, no doubt that's where that $90 billion comes in. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to imagine what our society would be like, possibly without it. Where we have fallen down is we have, we've had these economists, these uh, experts, uh, have come up with the proper theories, but we've deviated from them for, well, our, yeah, for our own use. The politicians have, exactly right. Exactly. And, and now, and like, like one gentleman said, when Trudeau pumped up the debt like crazy, um, Mulgrew already. had an opportunity to decrease it, but no, he maintained that $300 billion or whatever it was and created another 180 or $200 billion on his own, mm -hmm. without, which if you realize, and you, you've mentioned this before, the, the normal history of our country was during good times we pay down, during bad times we borrow. Mm -hmm. And that's always been that way, but it was only through Trudeau that it's not the first time we'd ever had a deficit, it was the no. first time that we'd ever have a, had a constant deficit that we knew we couldn't get out of. Yep. And, uh, that's just what I, I want to add. I think I think it's kind of benefited us, but it's also hurt us. But we've, I, I'd have we've to got to outweigh the two. I'd have to disagree with the idea of benefiting. I don't think people benefit from forced spending. There's always a loser in that equation. Well, there are, that's that, that's free enterprise. There's always losers. 
No, no, in free enterprise, it's all voluntary. You, you go to the store you want to, you want to go to, you go the, the person selling you something yeah, does Yeah, but so a lot of people did win with this, Bob. A lot of people. The 90, 90 billion dollars went supposedly into things that benefited us. Now, maybe they didn't, but in theory... But, but the issue of government spending in itself is, is a lost leader type of situation because you're losing. Uh, like, yeah, it's, but it's, it's like we've been there we've done that we know all of that here's where we are today they already did the 600 billion I'm saying don't do that anymore well, yep. you're asking though are we better off if we pay the debt off or not off? That, that's what this issue addresses and well, it all deals with taxation I, well the fact is we, 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 I think we have to do a combination to satisfy everybody because like, with what happened during the 80s we we a have combination no to satisfy everyone? Well, no, but we have no control of what inflation is going to do, what interest, is, interest rates are going to do. And that's why we as individuals, you know, like people are telling us now, the interest rates are low. Come on, pay down your debt. They're not telling you to go out and buy more money because no. they're saying there's a little bit more money freed up because your interest payments aren't as great as what they were when the interest rates were 12 and 15 percent. And people are saying, pay down your debt, pay down your debt. Well, that's the proper thing to do during times of low interest, not necessarily to increase your debt. All right, appreciate the call. Thank you, sir. A lot of people waiting. Emily's up. Hi, Em. Yes, I I agree, Sir Jim. When you when you say that everybody, uh, every <laughs> well, my opinion is everybody's an expert. <laughs> that, that, that confuses everybody. Yeah. But I've got something I'd like to throw at you. Yeah. And right now I have a, a fire insurance policy and 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 uh, fire and theft policy coming up. Yeah. My agent put me on with a new carrier. Yeah. So I get this load of pages of paper through the mail. Yeah. And it, 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 it states on the policy a few things that are quite simple to understand. And then it says, be sure and read your policy. Mm -hmm. So I looked at my policy, and there's five and a half pages of small print, mm -hmm. which I need a state-of-the-art magnifying glass yep. to read. Yep. Now, what, how, now what, what would you do? <laughs> uh, I, I figured that, that I should go up and ask that, that agent or the, or the carrier read it to me absolutely that's exactly <laughs> what you should do you should call you should call the agent and say i don't understand this and i want you to come and read it word for word and explain it to me that's exactly what you have to do am i have to leave it there i'm sorry because we got a lot of people jim's up next hi jim hello yes sir yeah um, it, everybody's discussing about the, the level of debt and whatnot like the single largest expenditure in the federal budget is not is, is debt servicing is yes. it not uh we, yeah something to the tune of 48 billion dollars a year well again we're trying to figure that out because that seems a little well, high I think that's that's what the number is all of this doesn't have i'm pretty sure that's what the number is i i, I forget the reason i called you here because I'm. <laughs> <laughs> oh no but no the, the well i forget why i answered the phone then so <laughs> that's, the, the, that's the single biggest expenditure all of this uh, doesn't happen in a vacuum yeah you realize like the cost of capital in this country right now is at historic highs. Yes. Like interest rates. We made that point. Are, yeah, you've made that point. Yes. So if you're not going to pay down, if the, if the principal is going to shrink due to the, in relationship to the size of the economy and the value of the money you're paying back, if you do decide to pay principal back, mm -hmm. is not paid back, if it just sits there and whatever. Yeah. It's our standard of living is, is what is being degraded. The money, the piper is going to be paid somewhere along the way. How is our standard of living be degraded? We've got more money in our pockets because we're not paying the principal. But our money doesn't buy any what it used to. Our money is worth less today. But our money's Canada, always... You made the point, Canada, Our money's always, standard of living is higher than it's ever been, even though our money's worth less than it's ever been. And our money's always worth less. But that's not because but you of what we're doing economically. Your actual, the, the amount of money it costs me to live, yes. like pay for housing, food, mm -hmm. 
and everything, and then taxation on top of that, mm -hmm. is just outrageous compared to my total income. Mm -hmm. It's just completely outrageous. Well, I look at it every day, and it I'm drives with me insane. Right, but you get to live in a nicer house than you did 20, 30, 40, and 50 years ago. Yeah, though. but that's a consequence of No, I lived in my technology. parents' house, and it was paid for. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, i got to leave it there, but thank you for the call. Dave's up. Hi, Dave. Hi, Jim. How you doing? Good. Just a second here. i got one problem with your argument. Yeah. <clears throat> Who owns the debt? And are you going to get the permission to, uh, to tell them that uh, we're not going to pay the debt down, we're just going to give you interest? And if, it's, if a lot of this uh, Canada savings bonds, I'm going to cash my Canada savings bonds and buy GICs. Why? Why? Because they're never, they'll never ever give me my money back. They're just sure going to they give me interest. Well, well I'm not interested no, in interest. If you want, no, no. If you want the money, you'd get the money. Well, but you're saying they're not. I'm saying don't borrow any new money, and if somebody was investing their money in the first place, why would you want to take it out? Because well, I want the, I want to get the principal back on eventually. Why? Lenders don't lend money to people so they can pay them just interest. You don't need the principal back. The principal does you no good at all. Because I can turn it into that? something else. I can take that, that principal and lend it to somebody else. And, and exactly, and at the same rate. So you got so a guy owes you $100, he pays you, he pays you $10 in principal back, you got another $10 to go to lend to somebody else at the same rate. You're better off leaving it with the first but guy. But what if tomorrow uh, Dave decides he wants to buy a car and he needs that money? Well, well, then what's he going to do? Well, what if? Well, if you're, you're, you're assuming that gone. the people that, that, that own, the, own the debt no, no, or no. own the principal are going to say, yeah, you can... You can no, uh, no, 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 you're you misunderstanding can... me. We're not freezing the debt and saying we're not going to give any of this money back. Don't buy, say, freezing the debt. We're not going to add to the debt, and yeah. we're not going to pay any of the principal back as a matter of course. If somebody says, it's same as today, I want my money back, of course we're going to give it to them. Yeah, they you know where they else. get it. They, they borrow they, they, it from well, someone else. That's what they have to do. Got to leave it there. Appreciate well, your call, Dave. Jim. Pardon me? Well, one more big flaw. Whatever happens to the government in a, in a, a big financial strait and needs money to borrow money again, they well, can't. They're stuck. Absolutely. Okay. Yep. That's one of the biggest flaws to your argument. Thanks, sir. Okay. Uh, my question, though, is how big a uh, jam are they going to be in where they've got to borrow it for any longer than 12 months? If they're doing that, they've done something wrong previously. However, I have a feeling, guys, we're going to revisit this again. <laughs> Uh, folks, thank you, and my apologies to everybody who's waiting. We just ran out of time to get you on. Uh, thanks, Robert and Jeff. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening today, too. For Jeff and uh, for Bob and for Kathleen and for Ryan and for my nephew, Willie, who's here with us today. Thanks for listening. Take care of each other. Mind how you go. Stay tuned, because Ask the Experts is here in a half an hour with Chris Hill and Robert Sinden. And uh, we're back tomorrow. Well, what's on tomorrow? Dalton McGinty's here tomorrow. Logan Day, the guy that got tossed out of Parliament, supposedly for proposing to his wife in the lobby. That's not the real story. We'll find out what it is. And as I promised you yesterday, we will have a tomorrow. Um, number of charities getting their charitable stats lifted by the government. What's that all about? Join us for the next Talk of the Town. Bye for now.